Well, babe, we did it. We wrote a book. Yeah, man, it's it's actually surreal to even think about uh, that we wrote a book, had a baby, got married, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but the book is now available yeah. for pre-order, and we're so excited to share it with you. Oh, so looking forward to getting this book into your hands, to be in dialogue and conversation with all of you as we continue to liberate love from old imprints and codependent dynamics that keep us small, stuck, and stagnant. Yeah, you know, no matter your relationship status, this book walks you through what shaped you, why do you do what you do in relationship. It dives deep into your relationship blueprint, attachment styles, and most importantly, which is different than every other book that's ever covered codependency in the past, we explore the role of the nervous system in that. And the book is called Liberated Love. Yeah. Release your codependent patterns and create the love you desire. Go to createthelove.com slash liberated love to order your copy now. That's createthelove.com slash liberated love and get that pre-order in and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mark Rose podcast. Or if you're new, welcome. Super excited to have you here. This has been just such a fun journey. I think I say that a lot of the time that I'm just so grateful to have this opportunity to share my thoughts, my feelings, my learnings, and other people that I just find inspiring and to offer a different perspective that may be, you know, another way of looking at your world, your struggles, your challenges, your opportunities in a different system, a way of systemizing things. And that's really what I've been learning for so much, you know, for quite some time now is that our, you know, greatest struggles really occur in romantic relationship. That's sort of the magnifying glass to the things we're not great at. And, you know, we can have bad boundaries with our family or, you know, in the, yeah, at work. But if we're in romantic relationship, it'll be really magnified. And that gives us this beautiful opportunity to heal things, this beautiful opportunity to see that our relationship itself is a, a mirror for us to focus our healing, to focus on where we need to grow and expand and fill in the gaps, so to speak. You know, this week is really no different. I wanted to offer another modality, another way of seeing the world. And I was really struck by it. It was a really fantastic conversation, very interesting from a really fantastic human who is really fun and playful and just offers a gateway and a depth as well to seeing your body as being really wise and intelligent and that there is a way of nourishing it that is specific to you. And before we get into that, a couple things. One, I just want to say thank you for your support, for listening, for being here. And if I could ask that if you really enjoyed this podcast episode or any others, if you could share it and go wherever you listen to it and give it a five-star review and a written review, that is so helpful for me. And it really is a beautiful exchange for the time that I put in this uh, into this podcast and to curating the guests and all those different things, because it is a whole other job, <laughs> that's for sure. So please, if you could go do that, that'd be great. 
And if you are going through a breakup, I have a course that's five weeks where I meet you where you're at, take you through the five stages of grief, the five stages of growth that I created with this, and that it has you navigate the pain in that transformation so you can learn from it, build from it. And I come into your inbox every day with a video, and then there's weekly assignments and exercises to close the door and open a new one and whatever that means for you. So if you want to sign up for that, all you have to do is go to bit.ly, so B-I-T dot L-Y slash breakup rebirth, B-R-E-A-K-U-P-R-E-B-I-R-T-H. So bit.ly slash breakup rebirth. Can't wait to see you on there. And without further ado, I did the interview with Sahara Rose, and I can't wait for you to hear from her. She is brilliant, and it's fun, and I hope you enjoy. Have such a fantastic week. Well, it is about time that I have this lovely, lovely woman, Sahara Rose, on my podcast. She is a spiritual teacher. She teaches Ayurveda. She has a podcast called The High Self Podcast, which I have been, I've had the pleasure of being a guest on, and a modern-day goddess, although I feel like that is putting you in a certain time period. Would you not be a goddess no matter the time? I'm an eternal goddess. There we are. I like that. <laughs> eternal. We're not putting it in a category of time. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Ah, thank you so much for having me. And I feel like all the conversations that we just have in private like should be podcasts. So I'm I'm glad we're recording one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? We've sat down whenever I sit down with you, because we have been sort of like We've spoken at the same events a couple of times now. I mean, like three times now. That's how we originally met through Wanderlust. And I generally walk away with some sort of new level of responsibility <laughs> that I'm like, oh, fucking Sahara gave me another awareness that now I have a new task for my expansion. And it originally, I mean, originally, although I have to tell you, I did the last time we spoke, we talked about sugar. And about how my doshas don't get down with the old, with sugar. Although apparently my shadow loves sugar because five cent candies. Do you have five cent candies in the States? Do you know what I'm talking about? We have them, but I don't eat them. Yeah, I know you don't. That's the, that's, and if you don't eat them, then there's a reason not to eat them. So yeah. maybe we could start by explaining Ayurveda, doshas, the things because people listening are like some are probably like woohoo and others are like I have no idea. Totally is this a German podcast is there a translate <laughs> button? Yeah, it's actually Sanskrit. So Ayurveda is the world's oldest health system and the sister science of yoga based on the mind body connection. So most of us practice yoga because we're anxious or our back hurts or whatever the issue is. But if it's anything related to the body or mind, it's actually Ayurveda that we're practicing. So Ayurveda comprises of all components from nutrition to self-care to even the best meditation, lifestyle practices, exercises for your unique constitution. So we are all a combination of these three energy types. The word energy is dosha. So the three mm. doshas, the three energy types are vata, pitta, and kapha. Vata is air, pitta is fire, and kapha is earth. 
So essentially what Ayurveda does is it helps you determine what your unique dosha, what your constitution is. So you can then eat the right foods, do the right meditations, the right practices, even be in the right relationships for your dosha. So essentially it's instead of taking that one size fits all approach to health, to meditation, to anything, it's looking at it really customized to what your body needs at this time. Hmm, that's so fascinating. And I, if I remember correctly, because I saw you speak on this, your path to this is really cool. Like how you came, because you weren't like born, were you born into a family where they're like, your dosha is? Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my grandma was definitely very Ayurvedic, but I always thought it was like some weird grandma thing. I grew up eating junk food. I was overweight. I had really bad asthma and allergies that I couldn't even play outside as a kid because I would literally have to go to the emergency room. So I I was afraid of the earth. Like I did not want to be outside. I wanted to be at home playing the Sims, eating my Doritos and Oreos. And, and that was, you know, my childhood until I was an early teenager and I discovered yoga and people weren't really doing yoga back then, but I just heard Jennifer Aniston from Friends does yoga and I wanted that Rachel body. So I was like, whatever the shit is, sign me up. (laughs) So from practicing yoga, I gained more awareness of just like my body, like not, I have to run an obstacle course to pass seventh grade, but actually being in touch with my body, which made me want to get more in touch with the foods I'm eating and noticing how they feel, which led to me studying many different ancient healing systems, diets, et cetera, and finding you know, that our foods impact us on such a deep level. It actually even affects our personality. So when I was in college, I became a raw vegan because I thought, okay, if junk food is the worst, then being a raw vegan must be the best, only eating raw foods. And I felt really good at the beginning, but after a couple months, I started to notice that I couldn't eat anything without feeling like I was in so much pain, like hurling mm. on the couch, like not able to get through it. I started it's hard to, to digest a lot of raw food, isn't it? It, it is hard. And, and I was just, you know, they say raw food is the best, so I'm just going to keep doing it. And then I was losing all this hair. I was losing all this Whoa. weight. I was, I was fainting. I looked sick. Like People would literally come up to me like, are you okay? I stopped getting my period for months, a year, two years, not getting a menstrual cycle at all. And then I started to go to doctors because obviously something was wrong. And they mm-hmm. said, your body has gone into perimenopause. You have no more estrogen and no more testosterone in your system. Like I had no, no hormones left. Yeah. So... I thought I'm doing everything right. You know, I'm having the kale. I'm, I'm a raw vegan. I basically, my blood is green now. Right. And here I was, clearly something I was doing to my body because I had never had these issues before. Mm-hmm. And the doctors I would visit would just kept prescribing me more medication. So oh for example, I, I had really bad anxiety and insomnia. So they're like, okay, we'll take this antidepressant and then take this IBS medication and then take this. And I was like, well, what if I ever want to have kids? You know, if I'm not menstruating, that means I'm infertile. Mm-hmm. They're like, don't worry about that. You know, you could get IVF one day if, if the time comes. Like basically like, yeah, that's this wow. is next, you know? And I knew intuitively that something was wrong with this, that there was a reason, a root cause behind it all, but I didn't know what it was. And and no one around me had the answers either. So I started to study really ancient approaches. So Chinese medicine, macrobiotics, and then I discovered Ayurveda. And again, had heard of it, but it wasn't until I took an Ayurvedic dosha quiz that 
Mm. I read my results and Mark, it was as if I was reading my autobiography, like everything from bloating, gas, constipation to amenorrhea, which is not getting your period, feeling cold, this, all of the physical issues, but also my personality. It's like, you're really creative and you get excited by new ideas and you love to travel and and like you talk fast and you're always moving and trying new things and you love to dance. And like, I was like, what? what is this like system that like knows the depths of my soul and also like my digestive problems, like all in one category. And I had never felt understood like that ever Mm. in the past before. There was just a resonance to, to it. That's cool. Did it start from uh, the base of basically like Googling your symptoms or searching and then like wanting to find, uh, uh, cause obviously Western medicine was not the solution. It was symptom treatment. Um, so did it start with that, that, that led you to the Chinese medicine and then to the Ayurveda? So I, it started with the Googling and then I signed up for nutrition school. So I actually went and I studied to become a health coach. And then part of my health coach curriculum at, at IIN was Ayurveda. And that was the first time I actually like dove into the core of what it is, the doshas, et cetera. Until then I was just trying to be my own healer through Google, which was only, you know, would kind of freak you out too when you read about everything on the internet without really knowing it. So I do recommend that if someone does want to understand Ayurveda or something like don't just Google stuff, like get a book and like sit down and yeah. learn about it. So you got to this place where all of a sudden you have a printout essentially of you and and then what? And then what happened? So then I was like, okay, well, what do I do about it? And they were like, okay, well, you have to only eat the ni- the ghee and the naan and the kitchen. I was like, what? Like I can never <laughs> eat like normal, like American, Western, anything but Indian food for the rest of my life. Like I don't want to do this either. So I was like conflicted <laughs> because here I had the system that totally described me. And then like the suggestions are just eat like lentils and rice until eternity. And, <laughs> oh gosh, right. You can only mix those up and spice them up for so long. Yeah, till, you've, like, till you've eaten the same thing. Exactly. And coming from a raw vegan background, I'm like, that's like not nothing raw about it. So it was very hard for me. And that's when I started to think, okay, how could I make this work from a modern approach? So how could I take like, what is the latest research in modern nutritional science? Like that our 70% of our serotonin, our happiness hormone is in our gut. Okay. They say mind body connection or in sports science, I learned about endomorph, mesomorph and ectomorph. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. Vata, Pitta, Kapha. And I was seeing all of these parallels between the two and then trying my own approach. So maybe instead of rice, I would do quinoa, or maybe I would have like sweet potato with almond butter and, you know, doing things more modern, kind of dabbling around. And instantly I noticed, you know, you've only lived in your own mind. So it's only until the quality of your thoughts change that I'm like, I feel so much more peaceful. Mm. That's so true. That when when it starts to come, you're like, this is what I've heard about. I didn't know what it felt like. I almost feel like we've sometimes fake it and then it then it actually just becomes natural. So as you're eating this, you're just, did your your mind just started to clean up your hormones, all the things? Exactly. So, you know, it was, it was not an instant overnight thing, but I started to notice just, I was able to sleep and then I was able to digest food. And then eventually my hormones came back into balance. And then I knew that this works. However, the reason why most people don't know about Ayurveda is because it's, they 
package it like extremely complicated, extremely ancient. You basically like I lived in India for two years studying Ayurveda, wow. you know, from the time I was 22 to, to 24. Most people are not going to do that. And I'm like having fights with the people in there all the time. Like we want avocados. Like, why can't we do quinoa? And I, you know, and so with this understanding. Fighting with ancient medicine. I love it. And then it also brings up the like, okay, well, who am I to do this? You know, like maybe this is how it's supposed to be and and who am I to question it? And I think it's like for a lot of people listening right now who are interested in, you know, any kind of system, right? It Mm -hmm. can be really hard and really scary to have your own opinions around the system, even though that might be your truth and that might be working for you. Had Mm -hmm. I only had, you know, Kitchery for the rest of my life, I probably wouldn't have been healed. I, I wouldn't be me. So I started to write about my modern approach to Ayurveda. And then eventually I wrote my first book. And then later I got published and I met Deepak Chopra and I've written three books on Ayurveda now. But what I've realized is that like health and food is like the entry level. It, what It's what brings you in. And then once you start regaining health and regaining balance, you have so much more energy for other areas of your life. You know, it's like when you're sick, all you can think about is how can I get better? And once you're better, you're like, what do I want to do with my day? And that naturally started to happen for me. And then realizing, okay, I spent all this energy on healing and health and this, but like, what is my purpose? And what am I here to do? And, And how who is my highest self little and how do I show up like that? And that's what led to me really diving into the core of Ayurveda, which is the soul and understanding it. So tell me more about that because all the food things, well, should we explain first, like what are some of the foods that might go with some of the doshas? Yeah, for sure. Just so I can hear what I have to stop doing and what I have to start doing. (laughs) Yeah. So people who have a lot of vata are going to have qualities of the air. So mentally, if I was like, oh, Mark, she's so airy. What do you think that that person's like? Kind of floaty, kind of. I mean, I might think of like uh, someone from the valley. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Is that because I, <laughs> totally. like, I feel like that's like a, something I grew up with. A valley girl. Yeah, right. actually. Hey, she. I knew that was from somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. We even have in our language like an airhead, space cadet. Yeah. Head, head in the clouds, right? So we can imagine that person, but like probably they are good at fashion or they're artistic or they're creative or, you know, they, they have their own strengths too. There's an element of airiness that's unbounded. That's like able to see all possibilities. It's the Mm. air. It's not, it's not rooted. So for example, Steve Jobs is an example of an airy person. I mean, if we look at him, he's like, imagine a world that we had these like rectangles that like controlled our lives and (laughs) he did it, you know? And if we look at why he even called it an apple, because raw vegan, he was a raw vegan. And he was meditating in the Himalayas and like so Vata, but he was able to take that vision into, into the world. So that's what Vatas are here for. They're here to channel the ideas. They are very creative. They're visionaries. They think outside the box. Mm-hmm. However, their shadow side is getting really excited by the new idea and not following through with what they're doing. So they're really good starters, but not always the best finishers. And then overthinking, being like, I don't know if this is going to work out. And because it's so much easier to overthink and then like cast your idea away than to actually execute on it and make it happen. Hmm. Do you know some some Vata? Have you seen that in yourself? Um, Yeah, I've definitely, I was thinking as you were saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, I definitely have some of that. Because I have like, grand ideas. And then I now have people in my life who I like to call implementers 
because that's just not where I don't thrive on the details. Totally. And that's you honoring your Vata ways as, as that visionary. And then you need the integrator, implementer, people who are like, okay, here's the strategy to make that happen. And those people probably have more Pitta and Kapha in that respect than you do. However, we also have our bodies, which are connected. So what mm-hmm. do you think it would be like if I'm like, oh, I feel like I have a lot of air in my stomach? Yeah, I'm guessing more of that, like uh, shorter, more, um, I don't know, like a stockier type of body style. Is that the right? Yeah. So if you have a lot of air in your stomach, like... More bloated. Bloated. Exactly. You'd be bloated. You'd be gassy. You'd be constipated because what's air? It's cold and it's dry. So your colon would be cold and dry, which is constipation. So a lot of people have these symptoms, especially with raw foods, because raw foods are very high in vata. And they're like, well, maybe if I just drink enough green juice, it'll go away. And it's just perpetuating this imbalance. So this is the most common one with like health conscious women, you know, because all of the foods that are marketed to be healthy to us are vata increasing foods because, you know, they're very light and and they're airy. But if you already have that in your system, it's going to perpetuate that imbalance. So feeling cold all the time. That's why a lot of people are girls, especially are so cold, dry skin, dry hair, irregular periods. These are all related to vata. So what you need is you need more warming. You need more grounding. Like in Canada, I'm sure you're not going to want to take a green juice cleanse in the middle of the winter. You know, you want soups, (laughs) you want pumpkin, you want broths, you want things that are going to ground your body. And that's your body naturally knowing it's already very vata and I need foods that will warm me up. So if you're vata, stay away from all the cold, dry stuff, eat more warm and grounding. Hmm. And then the next one? Yeah. So pitta is fiery. So if I was like, Ooh, Mark, that girl is fiery. What do you think she's like? I think of a Latino woman. Right away in my head. I, I always say Latin culture is so it's honors the fire. You know, whereas white Western culture is very like Vata is the ideal of beauty. You're like mm. a ballerina and you're like like a model who doesn't talk, but is like so skinny. Like every girl wants to Vata. Whereas in Latin culture, it's like Pitta. She is fire, fuego. Look at Jennifer Lopez. She's like Pitta queen right there. Like every single one of her songs is like fuego, volume seven, like fuego, <laughs> fuego. <laughs> There's like fire all mm. around her all the time. And, and. So that's that energy of like, get shit done. This is what I want. I'm going to go get it. And that's really great for an entrepreneur or mm-hmm. a manager, CEO, athlete, because it's very goal-oriented. So this is why pitas tend to be like strong leaders because they're able to see, okay, this is what needs to be done. And then now here are the, sis- the systems that need to happen. So you have that pitta and the vata as well. So you're seeing the vision, but you're also like really in in the systems, et cetera, but you're kind of in between the two, which is why you wouldn't want to per se create businesses for other people. Whereas no, a pure I pitta don't want to. That's so true. I right. can't. I Whereas like, like Gary V does because he just mm. likes this the process of creating a business. That uh, for him is fun. Give him any idea. He doesn't really give a shit. He wants to create the system. And that's, that's like so that true. that pure pitta fire energy. So when it's out of balance, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but sometimes... <laughs> no, of course not. No. Life doesn't go your way. Yeah. Anyone? Yeah, no, never? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A few times recently too. Yes. And that's when, when there's too much fire in the system, you erupt like a volcano. And it's almost like this, this 
anger is not even coming from you. It's coming through you. And that's because there's just so much heat that you're holding on to. If we look at like cartoons, right? They're like fire, flames. They're like hot. Like we even say a hot head, hot tempered because we have this in our language for the the pitta and all for all of the dosha. So if we think of our American president currently, Donald Trump, like he's very pitta, you know, he's very orange, first of all, you know, he dyes his hair orange. <laughs> yeah. He wants the world to see he's a pitta, <laughs> but also very like us versus them. Like you're, you're with us or against us. This is what needs to happen. Like very angry, very aggressive, but whether you like him, him or not, he's goal oriented. He's a strong manifester. He became the president. Like he definitely is able to follow through on his, on his vision, but he has all of the shadow aspects. too. So you could be Jennifer Lopez or you could be Donald Trump. It's like, pick your, pick your side. <laughs> you pick your side. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like for me to exude or because I'm not an angry person, that's for sure. But I never even really allowed myself access to anger because I was sort of afraid of, of anger. Mm-hmm. And boxing has been a way that my body, like I must be, I'm so drawn to it because it allows me to express in a way that also competitive sports are really mm-hmm. big for me. They allow and me that's to a great way to channel your pitta. You know, it's like, instead of getting mad at random people, you're, you're getting it out on the punching bag or, you know, Pittas love competition. You know, I always say in a yoga class, you can tell everyone's dosha because the pittas are in the front. They're like five minutes early, like running to see who can take that like spot in the front. The teacher's like, okay, like child's pose. They're like in a handstand, like competing with the person next to them who could do a one arm handstand. They're also in the front row of Soul Cycle. Everywhere. They're in the front row of of life. The front row of Soul (laughs) Cycle is the most intense row. I don't even. I They're like at their third, third class that day. My butt tap is never on point enough to even be near. And, and then you can see the look of disgust, like you're <laughs> offbeat. I'm like, you're calm down. I paid $47 for this class. I'm allowed Literally. to be offbeat. Soul Cycle is like Pitta Palace. <laughs> it, Pitta Palace. Yeah. That's freaking dope. It's like, but it's also <laughs> a lot of Vata in there too, because, okay, pure Pitta Palace would be like boxing. It's like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna take you on. And it's like, it's like rap music. Like when I was trying to get very Pitta, I was like boxing, rap, like coffee, spicy <laughs> foods. Like these are going to make me really pizza but then i broke out in hives because my body was like we cannot handle all this fire we are not this fiery yeah um so vata is a lot of running away from things like escapism like oh leave me alone i'm just gonna run away so that's why spinning and running can be very vatas like it but what they actually really need is like slow strength training and like Mm. really being present what pittas need more is like cooling down like yin yoga taking a walk swimming which is you know if they feel like they're not killing themselves they're not getting a workout in and that's that's again perpetuating the imbalance so in the diet they need to stay away from spicy foods because again that's going to make you more hot more acidic pittas feel heartburn they feel acid reflux they feel hives rashes inflammation irritation anything related to that so if you look at you know teenage boys they have like acne and they're hot like they're in shorts in the middle of the summer because they have so much pitta moving through their bodies right now that they're like i just want to fight someone it's like all this testosterone own, you know? Yeah. And that and that's that pitta energy, whereas like later in our lives we don't have as much of it. So it's having a good balance of it and honoring what you were born with. Some of us, again, if you look at Gary V, they're born very pitta. Like that's their dharma, that's their soul's purpose. Whereas other people, like Oprah, who we'll talk about next, is not. So she could drink all the coffee in the world. It's just gonna make her out of balance because she was not meant to be a pitta. Hmm. 
So the last one is Katha? Kafa. Kafa. Yeah. So Kafa is earth energy. So if I was like, oh, Mark, that girl is so earthy. What do you think she's like? I would think grounded. I would think um, wanderlust. Well, there's some Vata in a wanderlust for sure. <laughs> but I would think like uh, like a tree hugger, you know, yes. like eats granola, mm-hmm. uh, probably smells like patchouli. Mm, exactly. So we think she's, you know, she's walking barefoot and her flowy skirt and her long hair. Yeah, totally. She's like breastfeeding with one arm and like playing the ukulele with the other. <laughs> she's oh, so totally. grounded. She gives you a seven minute hug. And yeah, I can think of some of those. Heart to heart. So it's that really grounded, peaceful, motherly, nurturing energy. And it's actually the dosha that we are the most fearful of in Western society because if I came on your podcast and talked a little bit more like this... People would be on 1.5 speed, for sure. (laughs) And how does it make you feel when I talk like this? Well, initially, I want to say that it feels uh, like I want to rush it. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, I just want you to get it out, you know? Right. So you're getting annoyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. Especially how you said that. Um, <sighs> Frustrated. <sure>. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like a, No, but there's like a desire to want to speed it up, to yeah. want to just get it out, get it, share it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like our relationship with the coffee. I mean, so if I'm talking slow, you were like, oh, I really love that. Like I need more kapha friends in my life. Then it shows like you are really needing more kapha, but your resistance to it is also showing maybe you're resisting that inside yourself. Maybe it's also a sign that you need it because again, we are so afraid that if I pause for too long, I'm going to lose your attention. I'm going to lose the momentum I'm getting in my business. I'm going to, I'm going to lose whatever it is. But if you look at the earth, the earth moves slow. The seasons are slow. The plants are slow. Everything in the earth is a gradual process. So people who are born with more kapha, they're born honoring that. They love to enjoy life. They're like, mm, chocolate, so good. Oh, sex. Amazing. Sex, they're, yeah. they're enjoying the sex. Whereas like the Vata relationship with sex is like, well, Found one, they're out. like, let's yeah. channel the galactic <laughs> Shiva energy. And it's like super heady, you know? It's like, okay, now say the mantra, this. And it's like, are you really connecting, you know? Do people do that during sex? They're like, say a mantra. I oh, guess. yeah. It's a huge, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess the huge, true. like this, like modern Tantra movement, but it's not even based in like the origins of Tantra. And then Pitta sex would be like, okay, let's get this done. Let's like, hammer this out. Yeah. Let's and then like go on to the next thing. Like they want like the quickie, whereas like the Kafa sex is like, let's just lie down and slice some, let's put on some Barry Manilow. Yeah. If you happen to go down on me for 42 minutes, I'm okay with that. And if as long you as you're productive snacks, down there. Would, if you have better. a snack, wow. <laughs> Can I eat some chocolate while you do that? <laughs> um, okay. So interestingly, I find that since, uh, well, one, my past partner is definitely an introvert. Mm-hmm. And so that slowing down, I, I was like, whoa, I think people who are introverts are onto something. Like I started to feel this like, Huh, I've never related to being introverted, mm-hmm. but I certainly am getting a lot from introversion. Mm-hmm. The other side, too, of what you just said of this fear of slowing down has caused me to face slowing down, like mm-hmm. because I felt like f- afraid of it. And whenever I'm afraid of something, I just check in like, am I afraid of it because it's unknown or am I afraid of it because it's not right? Mm-hmm. But it's been very unknown for me to 
I've been going, going, going my whole life. I've been competitive. I've been in a lot of ways, I think like avoiding really sitting in feelings that I didn't know I was afraid of sitting in until you get them, until you get hit by a cosmic two by four with them. And I have really felt that like, you know, my business, since I started it as an entrepreneur, that's part of my life. I hadn't really taken time off and I hadn't unplugged and like gone away from digital. And I did that in September and holy shit, I like met parts of myself that I didn't know I'd sort of ignored, you know, this kapha side of me, I guess. Mm -hmm. Can you have all three? Is that an actual thing? We're all all three. Oh, well, then that makes things a little better. Everyone is born with all three, but in varying amounts. So you, Mark, were probably born either more vata or and then pitta or pitta and vata we could talk about what you were like as a child and that would kind of inform us a little firecracker so you were probably very energetic more firstly pitta secondarily vata like lastly kapha and it could be like your vata and pitta are very close your kapha is behind it could be you know if you if you look at it like a chart like they could be at any level right Mm -hmm. so your life, your diet, your the season, the climate you live in, et cetera, can, can change these doshas, right? So you're born with your natural born constitution. This, this is called the, a prakriti. However, in your life, the curveballs thrown at you will create a change. And this is your current dosha constitution called your vikriti. So for example, let's say you were born very pitta, fiery, et cetera, but you went through a period of your life that you went through a hard time and that made you feel depressed. And then because of that, you started to binge eat, which made you gain weight, which made you feel more sedentary, which made you not want to exercise anymore. And then this could have continued for many years or maybe the rest of your life. And then when you learned about Ayurveda, you're like, oh, I'm definitely a kapha. But you actually weren't. You were actually a pitta with a kapha imbalance. So we can have imbalances of any of the three doshas, but the purpose is to go back to who you naturally are. Like you aren't meant to become a kapha. You're meant to have your kapha in balance, have a healthy relationship with it. But like, Mm. don't feel guilty about being a fiery on the go person. Like that's part of the reason why you're here. And then the part of the reason why other people are here are to do what they are the best at. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So that draw, so as you're saying, it's like we can experience something that we're being called to a different energy, maybe to heal or to to go through, to slow down the seasons. Exactly. Because your kapha may have been very diminished your whole entire life that maybe you're going to have to take a season of really stepping into the kapha and slowing down, et cetera. So you can kind of like fill that kapha cup back up again, but it doesn't mean you have to remain there. It's like, okay, now I, I know I can always like stay home and and be chill and meditate and have that side of me, but you don't need to become Eckhart Tolle. You know, he's very Kafa. Like that's not you. No, that definitely not. And though that really resonates with me though, because this idea of slowing down and like unplugging and just allowing other people to support me is I've been called to. And that time I took the digital detox for like five days as soon as I was done, I was like, all right, let's hit this. Let's get it going. Let's crush it. Right. So it was like this recharge, but I still feel that draw to like the forest to slowing down. But even when I'm in the forest, then I hike fast. So, you know, and that's because the doshas I, I find, especially with like 
with dharma and like doing like a business or something, it has to move in these cycles, right? The vata is the idea. It's the brainstorming. It's the visualizing of like, okay, maybe I'm going to start this podcast. What would it be like? What would the guests be like? Da, da, da. And then the pit is the execution. Like you're actually doing the interviews, you're making the graphics, mm-hmm. you're getting it out, you're growing the podcast. But then the kapha is taking that hike, taking that step away of like, okay, I'm a different person than I was even a couple months ago or a year ago when I created this podcast. So how can I make this more true to who I am right now? And you can't get that if you're still in the pit to just doing, doing, doing. You're on that hamster wheel. You have to step off and be like, okay, where do I really want this to be going? And that only comes from the kapha. That only comes from the sacred pause. I went to the This Is 50 retreat with Sherry and Nancy, who I know you know. Oh my God, I love them so much. So I went on the This Is 50 retreat. It was awesome. But it was so fascinating to me because I was with 200 kafas. You know, all of these women are in their 50s or 60s who've essentially spent their entire lives making sure their husbands are okay, their kids are okay. Now their kids have gone off to college and are living their lives and they're like, what do I really want? Like, I don't even know mm-hmm. who, who I am. And if like Tony Robbins came on and was like, come on, like get it done, it would have been too intense. But they were saying, you know, what's your dream life like? What's your dream body? What's your dream day? And they were moving into the vata. And that's exactly what the doshas need. Again, the the vata moves to the pitta, the pitta moves to the kapha, the kapha moves back into the vata. So from that place of feeling like Mm. totally apathetic, disconnected, lethargic, you need to start dreaming again. And that will naturally create the excitement, which will motivate you to move into the pitta. Wow. So it brings, I get that, that we are in the sedentary, the recharge, the healing, the whatever that state, but you can't live there. And most people often, depression, I mean, like live in that state and it can be, it can be, I mean, you have to, I've been depressed before. You got to reach deep down into the pits of yourself and just like hold out some sense of hope for some possibility, as you're saying, get the old vata blown up a little bit. Exactly. And that could be like you're listening to music or just doing something that's like exciting. You're just thinking big for the first time. And I think especially when you're depressed, you don't allow yourself to do that. You say so stuck in like what's around me that you're not going to feel energized unless it feels like it's something that's so much larger than you. Mm, So how does this, because I want to one, bring it back to how does this relate to our foods? Mm -hmm. So like for each one, I know that you said for Pitta, they should avoid the spicy foods, avoid. So like for vata, which ones should they avoid and which ones help them? Because is the goal to keep them imbalanced and balanced, sorry, not imbalanced, balanced and nourished? Yes. So you want to be noticing what dosha is out of balance. And if it's between two, follow the season. So let's say your vata is out of balance, bloating, gas, constipation, et cetera. Stay away from cold, raw, dry foods. Eat more warm, soft, soupy, curries, that kind of stuff. If your pit is out of balance, stay away from spicy foods, coffee, as well as garlic. Garlic is very oh, really? acidic, very pitta enhancing. All of the foods that make you feel more like hot and stimulated are not what you need. Instead, you need more just like simple, bland foods. You might be able to do salads and herbs and just different cruciferous vegetables because you'd have a lot more fire in you that you could break it down, whereas the vata doesn't have much fire in them, so they can't. So having more just like simple, bland foods. Um, Pittas get hangry, so they do need to make sure they're eating every, you know, 
four hours or so. Otherwise, they will snap. Whereas vatas <laughs> often don't even really remember they're hungry. They forget to eat. They just kind of eat whenever. So for them, having a routine is really good. And then for kaphas, so kapha in the body, like in the mind, we talked about how you could feel sedentary, stuck, but in the body, it's the same thing. So for example, you're giving all this energy out. So let's say the mom during, you know, you guys don't have Thanksgiving, the Canadian, what's it? The we Canadian do. We have Canadian Thanksgiving. Okay. Canadian Thanksgiving. So Just let's in say, October. Right. So let's say the mom for Canadian Thanksgiving has been spending the, the week, like going to all the grocery stores and in cooking and preparing and setting the table and doing all the things. And then finally at times come to take a family picture. She's like, Oh, don't take a picture of me. I don't want to be in it. I don't look good. I didn't have time to get ready. Like I don't feel beautiful, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just that kapha right there is making sure everyone else around you is okay that she probably didn't even eat that day. Mm-hmm. And that's what and that's what kapha does. And then because of that, you end up resentful. You end up passive aggressive. You're like, I'm giving so much to everyone and they just keep taking and wanting more because you did not set the boundary. And I know boundaries is a topic that, that you speak a lot about. So kaphas really need that boundary talk. Like they really need to know that no one's going to know what you're able to give and what you're not if you're not able to vocalize that. And I have so a they lot get, of kaphas in my following for yeah. sure. And they get very stuck in the throat chakra. That's where kapha accumulates. So they get, they get coughs, they get mucus, they get phlegms. And, and this is a sign that they're not speaking their truth. Even hypothyroidism is related to kapha imbalance. So you could see different chakra points are related to different doshas as well. It's like amazing to see just how interconnected everything is. Mm-hmm. And then the body it ends up accumulating fat. It accumulates energy. You know, what, what are calories? It's energy. So we're holding on to all this different energy that we're gaining weight, especially in the lower body, the hips, the thighs. And then because of that, you don't want to exercise. You don't want to, you know, get stimulated. And then the cough imbalance continues. You're feeling heavier, you're emotionally eating, and then energetically you're feeling like you're giving from an empty cup. So what you need is to stay away from the comfort foods stay away from the sugar, the dairy, the carbs. All of those foods are kapha enhancing. Why do we like them? Because they make us feel more kapha at the moment. They make us feel like, hmm, so peaceful and, and calm. It's a mo-. You're like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's amazing how much these, uh, what you're saying has been sort of modernized in different ways of systemizing. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that feeds the dopamine store. That where that gives us a feeling that we're seeking, which is the calm, the sense, which is interesting because it sort of relates to addiction and relates to this desire to want to get a feeling from something outside of of our state, to change our state, to get the state we seek through the food we're eating rather than through the actual changing of state. Interesting. Yeah. It's asking like, what are you really hungry for? Like, are you actually hungry for those pancakes or are you hungry for the comfort that those pancakes give you? And then giving yourself that, that comfort, which is again, stepping into the kapha, like maybe moving a little bit more slow or taking that time for yourself. And that's going to make you not need the cookies and whatever it is that you were eating because your body so acutely needed that comfort. Mm, That's so fascinating how all of it parallels. I love that. And it's unfortunately resonant for me. Um, I'm like, uh, all right. So even more slowing down because then you don't crave the foods that create the slowdown. It's like sometimes when you're craving, you know, whatever your dessert of choice is, if you just lie down for 10 minutes, 
you probably won't crave it anymore because your body just needed a break. I mean, I know for me, when I'm writing my books, my body's like, you really need to eat this. And it's like, do I actually want it? Or does my body know the only way I'll take a break is if I go eat something, you know? Mm -hmm. So because most of us don't take breaks in the middle of our day to like lie down or meditate, but we do take breaks to eat all the time. Man, it's so interesting how we socialize ourselves away from balance, away from this. Mm -hmm. So in... The context of relationship, how does this work? Because I'm sure everyone listening is like, oh man, fuck, I got to stop eating that food. And like, so how does this work? Yeah. So th- this is a really cool thing for me to notice after, you know, studying Ayurveda for so long is that these archetypes aren't just for health and food, but also their compasses to look at our entire life. And once you know about them, like, trust me, guys, you guys are going to leave this episode judging everyone. Like, oh, <laughs> so Vata of them. Like, that was so Pitta, you know? And, and that's really uh, the whole purpose of Ayurveda, right? Just to judge everyone you meet. <laughs> just, totally. You're very Pitta right now. <laughs> Like, uh, but it, but it's fascinating because then you could see who are the people you're attracted to and who are mm, the people that, yes. that you need in your life. So, for example, so I say in every relationship, you need, you need all three doshas present. So most of us, we often get attracted to people who are the same dosha as us, the same, like the highest, because they're like we're like they're, they're so much like us. So, for example, let's say you're really like creative, artistic, eccentric. You you're like a graphic designer. I don't know, and then you meet someone else who's like a bass player. You're like, wow, we're both artists. This is so cool. We're going to like travel the world together. <laughs> and then like one of you meets like an Akashic records reader and then like falls in love with them. And like the relationship lasted for like five seconds, you know? So what made you attracted to them was you thought yourself in them, but there was so much Vata that there was no grounding. There was no person like, like, okay, like where's this relationship going? Like where, where do you see us? Or let's stay home and chill. Like there was no one doing that. It was like, okay, well, I'm going to go become a Kundalini yoga teacher. Well, I'm going to go do this. And then you just kind of like the air, you go your separate ways. So Vata needs someone who's a little bit more initiative taking, a little bit more grounding, a little bit going to set the foundation for the relationship because they are excited about things and then they're excited about something else. So they need Mm -hmm. someone who, even when it's not super exciting, is going to like still keep it going because relationship is a level of commitment and, and decision that you're you're co-creating with each other. Pittas, they want to know where the relationship is going. They're like on the first date, they're like, so do you want to get married? How many kids do you want to have? Like, <laughs> what's your five-year plan? Like, you know, mm-hmm. because for them, they they have plans and everything in their lives. You know, they they know where they're going and they want to see how how you're going to fit into this plan. And ideally, what a pitta wants is to co-create something together because they're very strong team players. They love to harmonize and you do what you're good at. I do what I'm good at. So a lot of times they end up in relationships that they're working together. For example, mm. like, you know, I don't know if you know Melissa Ambrosini and, yeah, and, and Nick, like, yeah. yeah but they both have a lot of pitta in them because their work is such a huge part of what they do that they can't not talk about it. So it just makes sense for both of them to like team up and to use that. However, what it creates is where's the relationship and where are we business partners? Because you can end up always putting the business first unless one person really sets those parameters and then both parties decide to agree with it. So the pitta is really intense. Um, for some people, it can come off as too intense, but it's just because they value the relationship and they value your time too. And they just want to make sure that you guys are seeing eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Then the kafa is way more chill. Like they're often with people like, 
I've just known him since high school. Like, you know, nothing's ever been wrong. Like, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, I don't think we're perfect for each other, but like it works. Like we're in love and, you know, they're like no new friends. Like that's their song. Like they have the same friends, like the same habits. They might even live in the same place. Like they don't like, like online dating feels really exhausting for them. So (laughs) they would rather be with their boyfriend who they have nothing in common with because they've just been together for seven years and it's really comfortable for them. So for them, it's, you know, initiating either a change in the relationship or if that person is not willing to change to actually leave the relationship, which is extremely hard when who you are is to merge and to become kind of stuck. So Kafa's love, like, let's just stay home and cuddle and watch movies and and chill. And then sometimes the relationship can become like roommates and really stagnant because both partners are just, you know, in their, in their routine and their habit. They're not like, let's go salsa dancing or something else. So in the relationship, you want to have all three doshas present because then you'll be able to balance each other out. So how would that play out? If you had someone, let's say, who is more uh, Kafa, and they were dating someone who is more fire, Mm -hmm. then eventually, because I would imagine the Pitta person calls up the Kapha person to be more Pitta. Mm -hmm. And the Kapha person also like is like, let's chill out. Like you're real energetic. Let's calm the fuck down. And then, um, yeah. So how would that play out? Like, how does that start to get imbalanced? Especially since, as you were saying, like the does Vata and Kapha go together very often in one person? Like, will there be a primary? Well, I guess they're like in the clouds and then chilling. Yeah. A lot of women are like between Vata and Kapha. So like they have a lot of ideas and they're creative and they also love to chill, but they like can't take action. That's actually like one of the most common things I see. But yeah. So for example, like in in my marriage, I'm like Vata Pitta. My husband's like Pitta Vata. Neither of us are very Kapha. So the hardest thing for us is to like make the time to just like hang out and be normal and and doing things because both of us <laughs> are just like on our missions that it can be like, and then if we're not on our missions, he's making music and I'm like doing my rituals and we're, we have our other creative sides too. So it could be really hard for us to find time. But I I was a bit more kafa than him to take that initiative of like, okay, we need to have a day of the week, even if it's a different day of each week that we literally go to a farmer's market or go on a walk or like do something that's just going to ground the relationship. Otherwise, we're going to fall out of love eventually. So it does take, even if it's maybe not super natural to you, one person to really lean in and see this is the dosha that's missing. Or let's say you're Pitta and Kapha, which which you just mentioned. So let's say you're super fiery and your partner was more earthy and chill. So what you guys may be lacking in is the Vata. So maybe you guys bond on doing something creative. You go on a paint night or you like, I don't know, Mm. learn a new skill or a new language, like something that's not super intense and something that's not super chill. It's like in neither of your territories and it's something that both of you really need. So it's taking in the dosha that's lacking in and if all three are balanced, then you can just look at, okay, what do we need at this time? So let's say one partner is Vata Pitta, one's Pitta Kapha. Then there's probably going to be a lot of Pitta because you share that dosha. So sometimes you do more Vata things, sometimes you do more Kapha things. That's really fascinating because, I mean, it, it's such an easy, beautiful way, one of honoring what your like baseline, like what a personality test would tell you, but in a much simpler way. Mm-hmm. On top of that, it is also showing just like, how do you find balance within your relationship? Because mm-hmm. if you're too sedentary and you take each other for granted or you're too fiery and it draws you away from the relationship, like it's starting to pull you away in your expansion, which is an important thing. 
but are you coming back? Are you coming back and sharing these more kapha things? Or do you both allow yourselves to dream and do the painting together? And that that's such a neat way of seeing it because it really is. Like if you do it that way, then it's not about someone's wrong for how they show up. Mm-hmm. That it becomes like, hey, let's do this cool thing that I learned about on a podcast today. Where would someone go to even figure out like what is their doshas? Yeah, I have a really quick like 90 second quiz on my website. I am sahararose.com. I can send you that link too. It's just right we'll on top. We'll put it in the show notes for um, sure. So take your quiz, have your partner take the quiz and be like, because I break it down in percentages in the in the mind and in the body. So for relationships, you want to be, especially looking at the mind, diet, more the body. So let's say your partner is like super kapha and you're more vata. You can be like, okay, we both need more pitta. So what are pitta things? Maybe we sign up for spinning. We go to Pitta Palace together, <laughs> or maybe we, or maybe we do something <laughs> something else. Also, knowing what you're attracted to, because I was dating a Kafa and it did not work out for me because I constantly felt like I was like pulling this person along, like let's do this, let's do that, like like a mom, and I hated it. That I before getting married said I I wrote on my list Pitta. I was looking for someone with pitta qualities and that to me made it a lot more clear of who I was looking for because I knew what I was attracted to. Hmm. I think of like how this merges within like how someone might have as a pattern of dating, you know, like anxious avoidant or that kind of, cause it's all just different ways of systemizing things, mm-hmm. which is what I love about this is, and this could speak to someone in a totally cool, different way. And I'm sure it is to people listening, but this idea that if you are, if you tend to be with someone who is more chill, not an initiator, not a chill, they probably appear more avoidant. Mm-hmm. You know, they are probably more avoidant. And and you're constantly wanting someone to choose you, wanting to show up for you. But you might not be picking someone who's more pitta. Mm-hmm. But if you picked a pitta, you'd finally have someone actually coming towards you. Who's but like I would say about any, any of them could be avoidant. Because a pitta just avoids it in a different way. A pitta yeah, might be true. like, I'm busy. I'm running my business. I can't talk about this. Whereas a kapha could be like, let's talk for hours. So I think the avoidant, like detached yeah. thing could be with all three doshas, but you're exactly like what you're saying. It's it's systems. And I think it's just another layer that you could add on to your understanding of relationships. Like, okay, he's a pitta, avoidant, Capricorn. <laughs> That's true because you're dead on with that. That like yeah. you could look at how someone uses ideas and creativity to escape intimacy. Yes. So all of them have a shadow way of, of escaping intimacy, which would all indicate being out of balance within their own, you know, and it, that's such a beautiful way of systemizing things. Yeah. So that first, vata, yeah. do your dosha quiz, do then the dosha quiz. go to the attached book website and do you and your partner's attachment quiz and then see if you're out of balance. Totally. And also it's like knowing different seasons in your life are going to require different things too. Like, for example, if you just had a baby, things are going to get very kapha. And you might be like, I miss the pitta that we used to have. And it's like, you literally just created another being, which is you being the earth. You are the earth for another human. So that's going to really kapha things out. So it's like knowing you're just in a kapha phase. Hormonally, you become very kapha in that phase. I see a lot of women, when they transition to motherhood, they become very kapha. And then either the partner is like, you're not who you used to be, or even she is self-critical on it. And it's like, 
it's everything's in cycles. We can't always be in summer. It's honoring that cycle you're in and taking like the juiciness of kapha too. Like there's a lot of real beauty to being like, "Mm, I'm in my like goddess, Lakshmi, juicy, like let's just be together. And it doesn't even have to be like a crazy sexual experience, but it could be intimacy on a deeper level. And that is still something that really can spice things up in a relationship. Mm, yeah, when I watch your, for those of you listening, you have to follow Sahara on Instagram. It is not only like a treat in terms of reading her writing and the things that she shares about what she learns. Um, and it is I am Sahara Rose as well. And if you check out her stories, I was just saying to her before we started recording, just how much fun I have watching your stories and watching this like community that you've created of women in this like twerking and dancing and embodying themselves and just how important it is that when, I mean, women are essentially taught to be outside their intuition, to be outside their bodies, not to mention trauma puts us in those places too. Uh, Just the work you're doing is, I'm like, I need sisterhood. Fuck man. (laughs) Everyone's dancing around, hanging out. You you have a goddess within you too. I, I do. I like when I am, I was just speaking at a women's conference and it was so beautiful to be part of like just the joy that was radiating and to be um, welcomed into such a sacred space. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I see with a lot of, especially spirituality, it's like when you first get into it, it's almost like level one is like, okay, everything I was doing before was super unconscious. So I must just like meditate and be super stoic and wear mala beads. And like, you know, that is being spiritual. Right. And it's like, no, the next stage is seeing that it's, it's all spiritual. Like anything can be part of it. So I can twerk. I can, I can do whatever I want with this awareness. And that's bringing me closer to my truth. Yeah. I've watched you just continue to give uh, permission, not vocally, but just through the way you are and the circles you've created for women to step into that powerful space. And also as a man who's had the privilege of watching you speak and and engage in a friendship with you, that you invite that space forward very beautifully to the masculine. So I'm really grateful for you and the work that you do. Mm, thank you so much. I Well, I'm very happy about our friendship as well. <laughs> and um, And I love listening to your wisdom and everything that you do and people listening to this podcast, you're making a good decision. Mark knows his <laughs> shit. He's real deal. And yeah. And, and I look forward to seeing, you know, maybe we'll do a twerk party together one day. I know. I was saying <laughs> we're going to have to do, I'm coming to LA. We're going to do a cacao ceremony yes. and I might end up twerking. This is going to be interesting. Um, so where do people find you? Yeah. So the best place is my Instagram. I am Sahara Rose. Um, and my website, I am saharrose.com to take the dosha quiz. And my podcast is called highest self. And if people want more information on the foods as well, is that all in that quiz that they can find more info through or is your website? Yes. So I have two books, um, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, which goes into just everything Ayurveda from self-care to nutrition, et cetera. And then Eat, Feel Fresh, which is a plant-based Ayurvedic cookbook. So both of those books would be amazing resources for you. Awesome. Okay. So everyone listening... If this resonated in any way, make sure you share it. Also, go check out Sahara's stuff, grab her books. It's time to get in balance. That's what I feel. I feel balance like I have dishes. some uh, have some carbs to get rid of and some. <laughs> yeah, whenever I talk to you, fuck, I always got shit to do. So I appreciate you. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. 
If this episode resonated with you, one of the best ways to support the show is to go subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any more. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, or share the episode with your community on Instagram or whatever social place you like to hang out. This helps get it into more people's ears, and I'm so grateful for your support, always. Thanks again for tuning in. Much love.